G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What or who is the angel of the Lord? Find out today on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Today I want to talk to you about the angel of the Lord, the unique angel of the Lord. There is no other like him. In Exodus 3 and 2 and in Malachi 3 and 1, he is called the angel of the Lord and the angel of the covenant, respectively. In Genesis 16, he is the angel of the Lord. In Genesis 18, he is called the Lord. Hello and welcome to Leading the Way, where Dr. Michael Yusuf passionately proclaims the uncompromising truth of God's Word. Angels are often described as creatures with wings, given the job to deliver messages or destroy an enemy. Yet there's another angel mentioned in the Bible. It's what's called a theophany, which is the pre-incarnate Jesus. Before Dr. Yusuf begins, a quick reminder that if you'd like to get in touch with Leading the Way, call the resource team at 1-300-133-589 or go online to ltw.org. Here now is Dr. Yusuf with his message, Your Friend, the Unique Angel. Today I want to talk to you about the Lord Jesus. I want to talk to you about the angel of the Lord. We saw, first of all, who are the angels. Then we saw what are the tasks that they perform. And today, I'm going to tell you about the angel of the Lord, the unique angel of the Lord. There is no other like him. There will be no other like him. He is distinguished from all other angelic hierarchy. He is distinguished from all angelic beings. In Exodus 3 and 2, And in Malachi 3 and 1, he is called the angel of the Lord and the angel of the covenant, respectively. In Genesis 16, he is the angel of the Lord. In Genesis 18, he is called the Lord. In Genesis 32, he is called Peniel, or the face of God. And in Joshua chapter 5, he is the captain of the Lord of hosts. And this angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is no other than the pre-incarnate Christ. Christ before the incarnation. This is what theologians refer to as theophany, or the appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. And I want you to focus with me on four distinctives. Remember them very carefully, because we have so many people today worshiping angels. You can worship the angel, but not the other angels. What are these four distinctives that distinguishes him from the rest of the angelic hierarchy? Number one, he knows the future. Angels don't. Secondly, he makes promises. Angels can't. Thirdly, he receives intercessions. Angels don't. And fourthly, he gives blessings and demands surrender. Angels do not. But you know how interesting... In all the popularity of angels and all the bookstores, including the Christian bookstores and all media and everything else, the angels that matter the most, these worshippers of angels are interested in the least. Isn't that amazing? Should not be. 
First of all, the angel of the Lord knows the future. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis 16, beginning at verse 7. There is the appearance of the angel of the Lord. It's found there as he talked to Hagar. I want to give you some background first, so you understand the context of this. Sarah, Abraham's wife, who got impatient with God and would not wait for God to fulfill his promise to her husband, Abraham, in God's own time and in God's own way. Out of that impatience of waiting, she tried to help God out. God's little helpers. Got lots of them in the churches. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. So she told her husband, she said, Abraham, take Hagar, my maid. When she conceives and have a baby, according to the customs and the tradition of Haran, the pagan Haran, where they came from, if Hagar would sit on her lap and deliver her baby, they'll be like hers. You know, we want the look-alike, but God wants to give us the real thing. So Ishmael was born, but then God fulfilled his promise. You see, delay is not denial. God's timing is always perfect. And on God's schedule, Isaac was born from Sarah, supernaturally, miraculously, an old lady and an old man. God gave them a child. And after that fulfillment and Isaac was growing up, Sarah began to burn with jealousy. (laughs) And burning with jealousy, she nagged Abraham. Get rid of her. Get rid of her. Get rid of her. So reluctantly, Abraham sends Hagar and her son Ishmael out in the wilderness. And when Hagar got into the wilderness, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to her and he told her some things about the future of her son, her future and the future of her son. Look at verse 13 of Genesis 16. Hagar became elated at the promises of the angel of the Lord. And she said, you are the God who sees me. And Hagar knew that she was standing in the very presence of the Lord himself. The angel of the Lord knows the future. Because the angel of the Lord in Genesis 16 is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ of the New Testament. He is a pre-incarnate Christ. Secondly, the angel of the Lord makes promises. Turn to Genesis 18 verse 1. You notice something very interesting as you read those first few verses. It says in verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And then in the next breath, it says that he was called the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord did not only know the future, but he made some extraordinary promises to Abraham. Promises that only Jehovah can make. Only the Lord himself can make. Ordinary angels are messengers. The word in the Greek and the word in Hebrew, they mean messenger, male boy. They are delivery people. They they have nothing to do with the message. They only take it from one place and send it to the other. They have no control. So in Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to Abraham, he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. The angel of the Lord predicted the future accurately. The angel of the Lord unveiled future experiences that will take place in Abraham's life and in Sarah's life. And then the Bible said two of the angels, there were three together, 
Two of them left and one stayed. The angel stayed behind. And he remained with Abraham to talk to Abraham. What are they talking about? Well, that brings me to the third uniqueness of the angel of the Lord. And that is he receives intercession. You see, Abraham and the angel of the Lord looked down from the mountaintop. And they looked down into the valley. And what did they see? They saw a modern American city. A city that was filled with abortion practitioners. city that was filled with gay pride parades. A city that was filled with brothels on every corner. A city that, in which gang rape was rampant. A city with child sexual abuse was very common practice. A city with drugs and murders was the order of the day. And they looked down. And the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord, said to Abraham, I will not keep a secret from you. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with that city. He said, I will bring judgment upon this city. You see, the angels cannot bring judgment on a city. They only execute the judgment that is pronounced by the angel of the Lord, and they make it happen. But the angel of the Lord pronounced judgment upon the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. As if the angel of the Lord was saying to Abraham, as I'm sure God in heaven is saying that again today. Is saying, Abraham, I have been patient for long enough. I have been merciful for long enough. I have been reaching down to them for long enough. I have been speaking to them in variety of ways. I have been waiting for them to repent, but they're not repenting. And now my justice is about to take over. Now my justice is about to be exercised and fulfilled. And Abraham thinks for a minute and scratches his head. And all of a sudden, as his mind races, he thinks of his nephew Lot. And he knows in his heart what's going on. He says, oh, my nephew, he's into that lifestyle. He says, my nephew's family may go to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week they're living like the pagan in which they are living. Lot knows the truth about God, but he is living in a lie and compromise. Lot knows what is right, but he's living and practicing what is wrong. What will happen to him? What will happen to his family? Well, they get wiped out too. And then Abraham begins to intercede with the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, on behalf of nephew and his family. And the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, receives intercession. He receives intercession. And after a good Middle Eastern bargaining session, the angel of the Lord promises to deliver Lot out of the judgment. My friends, please listen to me very carefully. Hear me right. I want to tell you that the very reason why God has not poured out his wrath fully upon our cities is because of the intercession of the remnant. The pre-incarnate Christ, who is the angel of the Lord, is the same Jesus Christ who is sitting now on the right-hand side of the Father, interceding on our behalf, answering our prayers, responding to our intercession. The angel of the Lord was unique, for he knew the future. The angel of the Lord was unique because he makes promises. The angel of the Lord was unique because he received intercessions. And then fourthly, the angel of the Lord is unique in demanding surrender and dispensing of blessings. Turn to Genesis 32. There you see that Jacob and his family were coming back home. All their cattle, all their sheep... All the wives and the children, they're heading home. 
But you must understand what happened 30 years earlier to understand what happened in this incident. 30 years earlier, Jacob ran away from home because he's cheated his brother. And he was running out of fear. And he ended up in his uncle's compound, working on his uncle's farm. You see, Jacob was young. He was single. He was ambitious. And you know what? Above everything else, he was tricky. He was very tricky. And during his time away from home, working for his uncle, his uncle cheated him. Divine justice always works, trust me. (laughs) And he had to work for 14 years in order to get the woman whom he loved. Now Jacob had become wealthy. He's no longer alone. He's no longer single. He's no longer poor. He was wealthy. He had large family. And now he's gotten a little older. And he began to reflect upon God's promises. So he's on his way back. He got to a spot, a place called Jabbok. And there he sent his family on and he stayed alone. Look at verse 24 of Genesis 32. It says, the angel of the Lord, says a man, the angel of the Lord met him there. And there, there was a wrestling match between Jacob and the angel of the Lord. Hear me right. Many people and and many preachers take that wonderful scene as uh, a symbol of wrestling with God in prayer. It's okay. Keep taking it that way. That is not exactly what the text meant. It's all right. It won't do you any harm. In fact, it wasn't Jacob so much wrestling with the angel as much as the angel was wrestling with Jacob. And you say, why? Because he, Jehovah, initiated his appearing. He is sovereign. He comes when he wants to. And he comes to Jacob at this very important juncture in his life. Because this, to God, was his last chance to do his work in Jacob's heart. This was God's last opportunity to bring Jacob into surrender. This was God's opportunity to get Jacob to walk out of the life of wheeling and dealing and the life of hassling and haggling, the life of cheating and the life of sneaking, the life of manipulating and maneuvering and the life of grabbing and hiding. God wanted him to get out of this life. This was God's design to lift Jacob out of the life of yelling to the life of yielding. Out of the life of self-preservation to the life of self-surrender. Out of the life of deception into the very life of discipleship. And Jacob, the proud man, refused the humbling that God's angel, the angel of the Lord, was bringing to him. And he struggled. And he struggled. And he struggled. Now I want to stop here for a minute. Stop preaching and I want to meddle just for a little bit. If you are struggling with the Lord in any area of your life, please let me give you a very valuable advice. (laughs) Personal advice. From great wealth of experience, give up. (laughs) You will not win. You will not win. Someone said, I wish there was another beatitude. Blessed is the man who does not strive for the Spirit of God. 
Now, whether you struggle with God is over finances, whether you struggle with God over your giving of your tithe, whether you struggle with God is over your marital fidelity, whether you struggle with God is over your business or over an addiction or over a dominating sin in your life or anything that you are haggling with God about, give up. You will not win. You will not win. You cannot win. Do what Jacob did. Finally surrendered. For years, for years, Jacob had been running here, there, and everywhere. For years, Jacob had been trying to protect his interest from his employer, father-in-law. For years, he has been engrossed and busy and focused on building his nest egg. For years, he has been wrestling and restless and anxious. And during all of this time, God has been trying to get Jacob's attention. God has been trying to get Jacob to rest upon him. He's been trying to get Jacob to put his trust fully in the Lord. How can he bless him and bring the nation of Israel out of his loins if he has not learned the lesson of surrender? God will not bless you as long as you strive with God. Finally, in Genesis 32, 25, the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord, he was going to have his last word. (laughs) Make no mistake about it, God will always have the last word. Wrestle as you may, Jesus The angel of the Lord will have the last word. Resist what you may. Jesus, the angel of the Lord, is going to have the last word. Argue all you want. Jesus, the angel of the Lord, will have the last word. Fight all you can. But ultimately, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, will have the last word. Hide the best way you know how. But be assured that Jesus, the angel of the Lord, will have the last word. Make it easy on yourself. Surrender to the angel of the Lord, just as Jacob did in Jabbok. When the angel of the Lord began to see that Jacob was still not getting it, (laughs) he was not getting it. He was thick head. And let me not point fingers, please, because I know some of you might not agree with me, but I believe God has his two by fours. And you know what? I have scars all over my body to prove it. (laughs) And Jacob wasn't getting it. Finally, the angel of the Lord put forth his hand and touched the sinew of his thigh, which shriveled like a cord in a flame. Right at that point, Jacob was no longer resisting. He was not fighting anymore. He threw his arms around the angel and he said, Lord, okay. (laughs) I yield, I yield, I yield. I give up. Make it easy on yourself. (laughs) But I will not let you go until you bless me. Even in his stubbornness, he knew that blessing can only come (laughs) after surrender. How did the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, bless Jacob? Well, he changed his name. Names in the Middle East are very symbolic. They're very important. They do not name the children after Uncle Jim or uh, Aunt May or somebody in the family, wonderful as that is, but that's just not the mindset. They name the children the way they want them to grow up to be. So what was Jacob's name? 
His name means a supplanter. It means a cheat. It means a mean and crafty person. Now, any of you named Jacob, please don't change your name because now we live in the age of grace. (laughs) And as if the angel of the Lord is saying, the pre-incarnate Christ, as if he was saying to Jacob, as of this day, as of the day of your surrender, as of the day that you have stopped wrestling, the day you've stopped resisting, I will change your name. Your name shall be Israel. Literally, it means contending with God. But there's a secondary meaning to that name. It means God's prince. God's prince. You can easily construct it from the Hebrew. And as a prince, you have power with God and with man. The only way to prevail with God is by surrendering to Him. The only way you become a prince with all the privileges and the responsibilities and the joys is when you get out of the driver's seat and move into the passenger seat. You're listening to Leading the Way. Make plans to join Dr. Yusuf next time when he continues this powerful series about the real angels of the Bible. Would you like to speak with someone about your spiritual journey? Maybe how to begin a relationship with Jesus or grow deeper? Well, start by visiting ltw.org Jesus. We are here in Beirut, Lebanon, a land that went through many difficulties and trials. But the explosion that took place here devastated many things. Everything around us turned to be rubbles. People call this place now a part of history. Many are traumatized. They don't see even any future. And they are right, nothing is promising. But we came here with the promise, with the promise of the gospel, the promise of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus is the hope in the midst of the chaos. God specializes in turning brokenness into glorious opportunities. To help in time of crisis, this is gospel in action. Leading the way is not only active on social media, we are active on the ground. We had already been Jesus' love and at people's side in these circumstances. But after the explosion, Dr. Yusuf decided to provide additional support. Because of this ministry's wisdom in using this resource, people are hearing the message and love of Jesus. I believe that every good seed that is planted, God helps to grow. I pray that God will grant me the desire of my heart that many will meet God through this ministry and its love for people. We are not just giving people some food or fixing the rooms. We also seeking their heart. And Lebanon today needs Jesus. We met yesterday with two women the Lord put on our heart to extend hand. I met with a friend here who said we cannot afford medicines. The Lord gave us a great pharmacist who supported our vision and mission. 
and he started giving us what people need, what is lacking in the market. First of all, I want to thank you and your team for all your support and what you have been doing, it's unbelievable. With your quick response, if we can say, we supported in painting uh, their houses and uh, closing some doors uh, and uh, rebuilding some uh, destroyed windows. And this means a lot. The Lord has given us some loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus is able to feed the people. And I'm so thankful for those who supported Leading the Way Ministry to give some of what they have to support those who lost everything. Thank you for all those who have been giving faithfully to this ministry. We cannot do it without you. May God bless all. It's exciting to hear how God is using Leading the Way. If you'd like to learn more of the ways lives are being impacted around the world through the ministry of Leading the Way, call 1-300-133-589. That's 1-300-133-589. Or online at ltw.org, ltw.org. And you can write to us at Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Well, that's our program for today. Do join us again soon, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.